somebody, who did he say that baby looked like? Drake. That baby looked like Hi guys, welcome back to Stargirl, it's Emma. Today is Tuesday, October 24th, 2023. Um, I'm super excited for today's episode. Today we're going to be talking about Zendaya, and she is a different type of Stargirl than we've really discussed yet. I think out of everybody, she probably most closely resembles Sydney, but... I think that's just mostly because they kind of behave similarly online, which is like removed and professional as opposed to using the internet as a place to like assert their individuality or like make themselves really relatable or something. So, but yeah, I guess they both kind of occupy this spot of like the face of the young Hollywood issue or something like that. Um, but yeah, no, they're really not similar at all. So that's, that's what I mean. Zendaya is just like totally different. Um, honestly, almost totally different tier of, of person. <laughs> um, I feel like she occupies this kind of untouchable space. Um, so yeah, I guess that's even interesting too, that she's not like capital C controversial in the same way that many of the other girls are. Like you don't hear her name and immediately have all these grievances associated with it. Um, and Zendaya is also a different subject for me because I'm not as knowledgeable or like obsessed with her as I am with some of the others and yet she looms large because she represents something really big because she sets a standard of femininity of performance value and in so doing kind of forces hierarchy around her like I think She plays a continually necessary part in, like, Greek gods of Hollywood or celebrity culture. Um, I feel like there's this communal assumption that she is going to be a generation-defining actor. Anyways, excited to get more into her. Um, Before we do that, I have a few items of Stargirl news. Um, Not a lot today. I'm, like, I'm not feeling super moved to... But um, number one, Ballerina Farm is pregnant with her eighth child. So congratulations to her. She announced it just last week. I bring this up because this is the perfect example of like her as a vessel for people's rage. Like people are so hungry to use her as a punching bag for like topics that she is not even purporting to speak on. Um, And so in this instance, her becoming pregnant and sharing that information has garnered attacks from like, like environmentalists are mad at her that she's having so many kids that are sucking up the world's resources. Um, Humanitarians are mad at her for having the gall to post about her own children who are like healthy and thriving while children around the world are getting murdered by insurgent groups. Um, People that are dealing with their own fertility issues are, you know, just mad that she at all would be like gloating about her success in that arena. So it's kind of like so blown out that it's not even worth engaging with critically. But interesting thing there being like, oh, she clearly feels like a very safe person to attack. Yeah. Well, okay. Then the other notable thing about this is um, Mrs. American, that pageant that she just won, that his organized body posted that Hannah was the first woman to ever compete or win while pregnant. So she's a force. Um... Okay, that's all on that. Next thing is the Eras Tour movie came out. So I didn't see the the actual Eras Tour, but I did go to the movie last week. Um, I mean, first of all, I was under the impression that it was more of a documentary, like a making of the tour type of movie, but it's literally just like the straight concert and um I had seen footage on TikTok of like it turning into like a sing-along or whatever or like people getting up and dancing not the vibe in my theater it was literally like our communal living room and people were like chatting or then like on their phones or whatever and then like look up and like watch the song and then like go back to whatever they were doing like it was a very casual background (laughs) kind of thing um but yeah the the movie itself is like honestly like a more effective persuasive essay than the documentary about Taylor's career that she had produced a couple of years ago. 
that just made me feel like, okay, you're kind of annoying. Like, but um, this was actually really effective. Like I left the theater and me and my friend were like, well, is she the most powerful woman in the world? Like it's a spectacle of scale, obviously. But then it's also, it actually like, it didn't make me feel any of the sort of like uncanny feelings that I get about Taylor Swift in general. Like it actually very like masterfully portrayed her as a more powerful for normal reasons pop star than I think the consensus actually is you know like there's been all these think pieces recently about how like kind of what's the deal with taylor swift i don't want to get too far into this now because i think we'll just do a proper taylor like dive but um point is that the movie was able to make the case for her as the performer of her generation or whatever um and i mean i guess that's easy because it's like she's not being compared to anybody in it we're not seeing any other pop stars sing dance interact with the crowd and so when you're just seeing taylor in a vacuum it's like oh that seems like not that weird or something (laughs) yeah the most insane part of the movie for me was that so they cut the concert footage with like live reactions from the crowd which some of them are really heartwarming like groups of young girls like screaming and like freaking out right and then others are just like more um like, I would be embarrassed if that was of me, where there would be, like, 35-year-old women literally just, like, sobbing and crying at seeing Taylor Swift. And, like, I mean, we know intellectually that that is a big part of her fan base of kind of millennial women who love Taylor Swift in middle and high school and then, like, maintained loyalty or didn't really evolve culturally beyond that. And so, like, we know that. And I guess it's kind of harrowing to see... I'm not sure. <laughs> I don't know. I have my one of my best friends like definitely falls into this category and um I think she actually just wears it proudly so I, this must be just my own shame <laughs> and not actually I, something that is maybe going on for all of these people. But anyways, the kind of climax of this fan footage that is kind of getting more and more out of pocket as the show goes on is <laughs> Taylor like walks to the front of the stage and they bring up Kobe Bryant's like youngest daughter who's like what three now or something anyways and it's this almost Simba like moment where Taylor Swift is like adoring this darling baby I I wasn't quite sure what the message was it was like Taylor Swift friend to all or like American legends um it was kind of this like botched like almost baptism or something like I don't know it was I'm like I don't want to be thinking of like Taylor as like this priestess bestowing Kobe Bryant's baby daughter with any magical vibes like I'm just kind of scared of that um but yeah what else well I guess Julia Fox's book is out and I don't feel that authentically interested in the book Um, but I did want to, you know, close the loop on that. So I had bought a ticket to her book launch, but then she canceled it. And so now I'm like, okay, I guess I like, I don't think I'm going to go buy the book on a separate trip or like, I kind of can't keep up with it. And also it was just weird because then like the first book event was in LA and I was like, aren't you a self-described New York classic? Like what is going on here? And then she was at Madonna's concert in London. In my opinion, that Madonna appearance was a flop. I think I just don't need to be seeing any more harnesses. But actually my mom wants to go to the Madonna concert. She said it would be a life highlight if we went together. So I might go to that with her. But that's kind of a different lens you know like I'm happy that like my mom loved Madonna when she was my age that's important that that happened but yeah (laughs) okay I actually don't think I have any more news I think we just get to the good stuff um okay yeah so let's just crack open the Zendaya Okay, so yeah, as I mentioned, she to me is a very different type of star girl. I think of her as like untouchable almost, right? Like there's this kind of force field around her. I think we're like all very inherently invested in like giving her this space of grace or something. And it would just be weird and like why to try to tear her down. And so that maybe stands at odds with the criteria that we have thus far used to define a star girl. But I do really feel like she is one because she is a 
category leader. She is just really a class act, I guess. And um, I think that she just feels like a cut above, I guess. Um, She feels like universally understood to be the real deal, even when we might be tempted to see her as like an industry plant or something. Um, And like, I'm thinking of that, uh, that viral sound on TikTok, which is from the interview that Zendaya did with Issa Rae when Issa says something to the effect of like, uh, you know, like, how does it feel every day to like get up and look in the mirror and be like, oh, all these other bitches ain't even close or something like that. Um, I think that that really encapsulates it where it's like, you know, even though Zendaya doesn't feel maybe like super personally triggering or controversial, like we all just like know that she's like a different species or something like I'm almost like okay all celebrities should look like this why are we even having any female celebrities that are just like five two like it just doesn't even make sense or something um like she's just so physically striking and so composed she has this kind of shapeshifter energy not not in like a sketchy like snake-like way but that just she can be sculpted into so many different characters and shapes and lines and you can really like put her in any textile any shape any like do a million things with her hair like just put her in so many different situations and she's just an amazing canvas um so I think like as I said she is setting a standard and like you know I guess like the kind of implicit question that we're asking with any star girl is like if this person was the standard of femininity what would that mean for the rest of the world and if Zendaya was the standard of femininity beauty womanhood whatever the answer is like everyone else would be screwed like everyone else compared to her just looks like a shrub or like a weird piglet you know like this way I said like almost like different species right where okay like she's obviously a a human but it's like most humans don't look like that <laughs> I've had this conversation with many people before I think there's some people who feel like celebrities should look like pedestrians and I kind of have the opposite view where I'm like celebrities should look like alien and I mean Zendaya doesn't have like such out-of-the-box features that it's like whoa where is this person from but she just seems like genetically elite I guess <laughs> Um, yeah. And so that that's this is kind of like the the brief overview of how I feel about her and the awe that she inspires. Um, but because she is such a different type of star girl, I had to kind of, you know, double down on my on the definition that we're building and I thought of three new layers that differentiate a star girl from an it girl and that we can kind of think about in this episode as they relate to Zendaya. Um, Okay, so the three things are a star girl, as opposed to an it girl, is incoherent, timeless, and a leader. So to speak to the incoherence of a star girl, remember like several episodes ago, I kept saying star girls are fucked slash amazing. I think what I meant was (laughs) that they are a little bit incoherent. So an it girl is like neater and easier to pin down and fits more neatly into a subculture or a genre or like we know the scene or the vibes that she is playing into and representing. Um, But a star girl always feels original and maybe idiosyncratic. You know, the term chaotic, first of all, has been so trod through that it's like meaningless. Um... But also, I don't think all star girls are chaotic, right? There's like a Julia Fox or an Azalea Banks or a Grimes where they're like cultivating chaos as part of the personality. But I think that not everybody needs to be like that. But there is something in all of these women that does feel idiosyncratic and just kind of like unexpected or yeah, just closer to a sense of like individual agency, not just this is like a character and a role that's being filled really well by someone who feels really of the zeitgeist, which would be like in the it girl camp. Um, so that's one piece. Um, the second is that a star girl is timeless, right? So this is as opposed to an it girl who is extremely time bound, like as I just said, because they are a representative of a specific scene, a specific zeitgeist or whatever. And a star girl can also be zeitgeisty, but in order to be a star girl, they have to do that 
and have this feeling of of timelessness. There's a feeling of like, we always need this character or this role is inevitable, right? Um, and the, the character, as I've said, is someone who always forces hierarchy around them. Like their presence forces an understanding of social roles that not everyone's presence does, right? Like a lot of girls can just like show up to a party and they're just like also at the party. And then there's some people who show up to the party and it's not that then like the whole energy shifts, but then you kind of like see everything take a different hierarchical shape. Um, So that forcing of hierarchy and social roles is timeless because we like, we need that <laughs> to make sense of things, right? Um, so there's this like elemental specialness about a star girl that it's like in any moment you would be playing this role, I guess. And that kind of leads into the third point, which is a star girl is a leader. So a star girl is brave, a star girl is free, a star girl has to feel high stakes. <laughs> like, um, so an it girl can be a follower, can be more passive feeling. Um, so an it girl can be someone who has like acute skills of observation and who perfectly like accessorizes or reflects a certain mode of being and that ends up feeling really symptomatic of the time, right? And that is a beautiful thing. But a star girl is an active force. And as I said, for a star girl, the stakes have to feel really high. It can't just be like someone who's playing into the fashion of the time and doing it well. And it like, you know, feels like they're capturing the spirit of the moment. Like a star girl is someone where it's like, what happens if they fail? You know, there's like a steep cliff that like, either they are falling off on or a an idea is falling off on like there's a real feeling of like winning or losing happening t- with them and i think part of that is because they are this active force this active presence that people like even care what happens to them um but then as we know like the point of a star girl is that they are in part something that you make because you are projecting onto them and like processing your world through them as a character and so for those star girls who feel really like personally resonant and urgent, if they fail, that means something about what is available to you, what is like, what's the direction the world is going, something like that. Um, and so, so let's just think about all of these three things, incoherence, timelessness, and being a leader in relation to Zendaya. And even though she isn't like, as I said, a really controversial or like triggering character, I do think that she has a really essential and precarious role to play and that she does it really well right so like when I always ask the question what does she do when she gets to the keys to the kingdom I think Zendaya is someone who is like absolutely able to handle it at least from what we've seen thus far um so yeah I have a tremendous amount of respect for her even though she's not like this super at least publicly facing like charismatic person who I feel like a big attachment to like the personality of her so um yeah, that's maybe we can play with those things. Um, okay, so let's go. Like, I'll do a brief bio of Zendaya and then we'll go from there. So, Zendaya is an American actress, though she has many other talents. She is a dancer, she's a singer, she can model, she's tried her hand at designing clothes, but As opposed to some of the other people that we've talked about that I've put in the multi-hyphenate camp, I really believe that Zendaya is genuinely multi-talented and I am choosing to frame her as an actress because it seems like that is the main craft she is pursuing and that all of these other talents kind of like feed into and reinforce her uh, eminence as an actress. But certainly I have a lot of respect for her abilities in all of these other realms as well um I think the other like multi-hyphenate chicks that we have talked about I feel like um I mean at the extreme end I'm thinking of someone like Tanks who's like dabbled in a lot but it's kind of unclear what the main talent is like multi-hyphenate vibes tend to carry with them a sense of desperation and like you're gobbling up every channel and medium available to you in order to like maximize your reach as fast as possible but with Zendaya like it hasn't really felt that way even when her album that she released 
I think it was like maybe 2016. But anyways, like that album wasn't very successful. But even so, like the channels that she's found to like sing and dance and do fashion and whatever, like all feel very respectable to me um, in a way that like for a lot of other people, it's like, okay, I roll. Like, why do you have to be a singer now? Why do you have to be in a Netflix movie now? Why do you have to whatever, whatever, you know? And I'm, I'm trying to keep my like conversation about her physicality limited to my actual like Zendaya physicality section, but it's obviously not going to happen. Like I think her body, her physique, her stature is just so central to her as a celebrity that it's it's just kind of unignorable to you can't really talk about anything that she's good at or that she does without talking about the way that her body informs those performances and so I do think that I mean I I know because I learned about it that she is extremely like technically trained in all of her various ventures but also she has kind of god-given gifts because she has this incredible length that she has mastered. <laughs> um, okay, but I'll get more into that. Um, but okay, so yeah, Zendaya is 27 years old. She was born and raised in Oakland, California. She's half black. Her mom is white. And also her mom is 6'4". So Zendaya is only 5'10". But like, she, you can tell that she just comes from tall stock. This is like a feat of genetics. So um, and her being half black is significant, obviously, because she occupies this kind of liminal space of race that we know is very attractive to mainstream liberal society. Um, and so uh, a coveted spot, and as I said at the beginning, like a delicate spot, because you, you know, while people really value their perception of your ability to move with ease among a variety of different groups and types of people, you also are saddled with like being a representative for all of these different groups and people and like satisfying everybody's interests. So I think that Zendaya has like a, what's the word? Like a big, a tall order. Yeah. Zendaya has a tall order and has to answer to a lot of different people, I guess is my point. Um, Okay, to get back to the bio. So yeah, so Zendaya was a child actor and dancer. Um, She was a member of this dance group called Future Shock Oakland by the time that she was eight. So she was performing a lot. Um, She also trained classically in hula with the Academy of Hawaiian Arts. So hula dancing, not hula hooping. Though I bet you can do that too. Um, And then she got into acting because her mom was working a summer job at at a like Shakespeare theater. And so she got interested in stage performance as well. She started doing that. When she was 15, her family moved to LA so that she could pursue acting at a higher level. And she graduated from Oak Park High School, which is the same high school that like Olivia Rodrigo, Sabrina Carpenter... Um, oh, also Gabby Douglas, the gymnast, <laughs> all went to as well. Um, so her early career, she she did some like child modeling and was in a bunch of, bunch of commercials for like Macy's, Old Navy. She was a backup dancer for a Sears commercial, commercial that starred Selena Gomez. Um, she did Kids Bop. Um, and yeah, obviously we know that she is like a, a Disney kid. So she's in that lineage. And I think that's something that makes her feel like distinctly – American and someone that we always want to root for, right? Because we've kind of seen her evolution from child through adolescence and now she's like a young woman. Um, And it just, it feels like cozy and it feels sweet and we like want to see her succeed, whether or not we were there and fans of hers when she was a child. Like I didn't watch any of her shit on Disney Channel and still knowing that is like, oh, cute. I love that, you know? Um... So yeah, she was in a couple different shows. She was in a Disney Channel original movie called Frenemies, and she recorded a song for that soundtrack, which kind of a stepping stone on her music career. Um, in 2012, she signed to Hollywood Records and put out a couple of singles. Yeah, yeah, this is jumping ahead a little bit, but as I mentioned, she did put out a full album called Zendaya, which like wasn't a super big hit, but like sometimes you'll randomly hear that song replay like at a store or like in a taxi or something. Um, so whatever. She has that. (laughs) Um, let's see. Um, oh, she was on Dancing with the Stars in 2013. And at the time she was the youngest to compete. She was 16 then. Um, and I didn't watch her on Dancing with the Stars live. I knew that she was technically trained, like, cause I feel like it comes up in interviews a lot. And then also you can kind of just 
tell um, the way that she moves. It's like she clearly has a dance background. But um, highly recommend watching clips of her on Dancing with the Stars because it's really cool to see her do like ballroom and salsa and all these like highly technical kind of like footwork driven um, styles and routines. I, I don't know. It's just cool to see her do like proper choreography. Okay. Uh, what am I going to say? Um, I guess like the the thing that is said to be her like on her rise she was the lead character in this Disney show called Casey Undercover um, where she played like a high schooler but like Okay, at a certain point, she like broke out of the Disney world and she's obviously had a handful of really big roles that have put her like on the map and graduated her into this more like, you know, leading lady of young Hollywood moment. So being MJ in the latest Spider-Man sequence of movies with Tom Holland. Um, She was in The Greatest Showman. She was in Dune, whatever. Then obviously Euphoria, which I will talk about uh, head on in a little bit. Next, she has this big movie coming out, I think in the spring, um, called Challengers. And there was just this, she was just on the cover of Elle and the article is talking about this movie a lot. Um, so yeah, the movie's called Challengers. It's by the guy who did Call Me By Your Name. Um, what's his face? Guadagnino. Um, and she plays like a, a former tennis star who got injured and is now like a coach and is in this kind of love triangle. But it, it feels very appropriate to have her play an athlete head on. Um, there's a quote in that L profile where Guadagnino says, the way she expresses and exudes the power of her athleticism is wonderful. I feel like that applies to everything that I've seen her do, not just in her acting roles, but just the way that she carries herself um, is extremely in control of her body. And um, she has this amazing like relationship with space. I feel like I've talked about on the um, on the podcast before this, this cue that I've been given in yoga, um, move like you're moving through honey or like you're moving through molasses. Right. So this, um, this feeling of like built in resistance to your movie, you're not just like whacking your arms away or whatever. It's like, you're actually moving through something viscous and that helps you first of all, like engage your body. Um, but also it like, I don't know, just seeing space as a force that you are interacting with as you move. Um, And I think Zendaya really does this. Um, Okay. Maybe also worth noting like some of the fashion related stuff that she's done. So, you know, years ago she was like a guest star or a guest judge on Project Runway, which I feel like I should know more about why or what that entailed. But again, because of her physicality, I think there's like a kind of natural association with her and fashion and modeling um, because she kind of just like is like the perfect body to dress. (laughs) Um, But yeah, so she has partnerships with like a bunch of big houses with Louis Vuitton, with Valentino. She's been the face of Lancome forever as well. Um, In 2018, she did this collaboration with Tommy Hilfiger. And as you guys know, I'm like not a fashion person, but I like really remember this moment. And I think it's because there are all of these images of her at that um, at that show in, you know, she's in like snakeskin patterned suit and the jacket is unbuttoned and she just has a white tank top underneath it and her hair is out. She just looked so striking. And I think this was like around the time or maybe just before the first season of Euphoria had come out. I was just really struck by her. And like, oh, oh, also I remember it was like significant that for that Tommy Hilfiger show, she had cast only black models. And so I feel like Zendaya is kind of just like always going to do the right thing, right? And like she's going to like do the inclusivity thing that's asked of her. Like she's not interested in like being provocative or being edgy or like pushing back in any way. She's just like rise to the occasion of the spot that she fills and like try her best kind of. So let's see what else fashion related. I mean, I feel like her relationship with her stylist, Law Roach, is very like I don't even know if it's celebrated or just like talked about. I don't even know why I know about this. Like it seems like this would be something that isn't on my radar, but I feel like their relationship and their like loyalty to each other is very around. (laughs) And there was that moment last year at the like Louis Vuitton show. I think it was just last year. Anyways, this is stupid, but like, I guess like, like Laura shouldn't get his seat 
like he was supposed to be next to Zendaya and then there was this video clip where it looked like she was pointing and telling him to like sit behind her or something and then they both made a big stink about like smoothing that over and being like what it looked like was not what it happened blah 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 and then he retired and but was very being like but me and Zendaya are like relationship for life like you know like that's my girl like I ride for her forever and then like she basically said the same thing back I don't even know I don't know if there's anything to analyze here but it's just like that relationship is like one that apparently people are interested in (laughs) yeah It's worth noting that like the red carpet is a critical channel through which we see and consume Zendaya. Like, yeah, she's just like a great vessel for clothes, right? So um, while I don't think of her as like a um, a, like aggressive trend setting person in the way that like Rihanna has always been, um, I do think that like she's never really going to flop because it's just like how could you even flop when you look like that, you know? Um, to talk about the persona of Zendaya, as I mentioned, like, ultimately she's very just, like, professional and sweet and kind of distant from us. But I do think there's a couple key traits that we associate with her. Um, number one, she seems very loyal. Like, we don't think of her as someone who's going to, like, talk about anyone behind their back or she doesn't seem flighty both either in like romantic relationships like anyone she works with she's really like it's fam you know um so that's one piece um she's definitely very poised and graceful and I think she behaves very differently online than like most stars her age so that's part of what makes her feel timeless that's part of what makes her feel more elegant um and that's part of what like keeps her at this kind of seems like there's like a little a force field around her you know like and and at any moment that could be punctured. I do think that she's an, in a precarious spot for everything that is like, I don't know, projected onto her and what people want her to be for them. But um, I do think that she is like very poised. Um, she seems very hardworking, very perfectionistic. You know, she's not the type of person who's just relying on her charisma or her inner fire to like do the scene for her. We know that she's like, very meticulous and diligent and um, kind of a perfectionist. We also know that she is kind of goofy. This is where we see like her individuality is that like she's kind of silly, right? And I think that really comes through in, um, or we're really like mining that out of the Tom Holland relationship where it's like, oh, look how comfortable they are together. Look how relaxed they are. Look how much they're laughing. They're joking. Like, you know, and Zendaya has like the tiniest bit of kind of like snaggle front tooth. I think of Zendaya as so stunning and so undeniably beautiful but I don't necessarily see her as like a sex object um and don't know if I know exactly why that would be I guess she just looks she looks very young you know she's not like curvy or voluptuous at all um yeah I think she's more she's almost giving like president's daughter or something you know they could have just like faked that she was Malia Obama and I think like everyone would be like perfect you know um Anyways, oh, the other like persona piece of her and I don't exactly know like how this is cultivated, but she seems just highly coachable. I've said this a million times, but she just feels like an amazing canvas, um, but without feeling like passive. Okay, should we put her through some star girl paradigms maybe? (laughs) Um... Let's see. Uh, Ripe dead. She's obviously ripe, though. As I've said, she can convincingly, like, portray dead characters, i.e. Rue. Sparkly fluffy. I think that she is a fluffy, grounded angel. Cat dog mouse face. Well, this is interesting because I think because she's so expressive, she has actually kind of has a flexible face. So I think, like, her bare face, like, just walking down the street, I think she's mostly mouse face. But I think that... Like Rue, her hair is that way and she has bags under her eyes and like her face can kind of take on a longer shape. So Rue is like dog face. And then like when she's all done up and kind of like her makeup is more snatched then she can convincingly look cat-like. Um, yeah, but I think ultimately it's a mouse. Um, nature artifice, uh, definitely more natural like overall. Um, but because she's so malleable and coachable, like she can look and feel very futuristic or very alien, um, or very otherworldly. I mean, I think if she had been like a little older, she would have been a really natural casting for, um, 
for Avatar, you know what I mean? Like we could make her look amphibious. You could make her look feline. You could make her look like from a different galaxy. Like just do whatever you want. <laughs> um, okay. Oh my God. Yay. Okay. Now we're finally at the body physicality section. Okay. So um, I would say with Zendaya, her primary characteristic is her limbs and just this sense that her body goes on forever. Like her sheer length is just like, that's the main thing that I think about, I guess. Um, and I was rewatching Euphoria the other week and um, there's a couple scenes where she's like sitting down. Um, the one I'm thinking of, she's like at a diner with that like mentor of hers from NA. And so she's sitting on a booth like on her butt, but then her feet are also on the booth and her knees literally go up to her chin like the length of her femur bone is like the entire length of her torso plus up into her face it's like it literally looks like an optical illusion how long she is and so I know intellectually that she has the same number of joints as anybody else but the length of each of her bones gives the impression of infinity angles it's almost like it's almost like her body is like origami, you know? And it's like, okay, well, let's just fold it up to a crane. Let's fold it into a paper fan. Like, it's just, it's really, um, it's really moving to me. <laughs> um, I mean, she's only 5'10". Okay, only, like 5'10 is obviously tall, but there's also a lot of 5'10 women. And like Zendaya is very thin as well, but she also is um, athletic looking, you know? Um, and so... But anyways, what I was going to say is like the spectacle of the length persists across mediums. You don't get the feeling that like they really have to watch her angles or something. It's like really no matter from where she is, no matter where she's captured, she's going to look like just incredibly long, like like on screen, in live performances. I'm thinking of like la the other year at Coachella where she like came out in that little pink dress in um in combat boots uh, at during Labyrinth set and like, okay, she looks really long in real life too. Um, in static images, she photographs really long. So um, I've kind of talked about this a little bit already, but I see Zendaya as an extremely physical performer. And I was thinking about like who she reminds me of and they were all like physical comics. Like I was like, she reminds me of like Jim Carrey, like Julia Roberts in all those 90s movies where it's just like her limbs are everywhere and she's kind of like folded over herself, you know, like in Pretty Woman, it's always like, legs and arms and whatever you know um like even Lucille Ball in a way because like like she uses her body for the comedy and the kind of like tripping over herself and like awkwardness with her limbs that she's able to manufacture and I don't know I feel like I'm probably sounding like a broken record but um I do think that Zendaya's dance background like directly contributes to what she's able to achieve as a performer and I don't actually think that dancing and athletics are the only route to embodiment and that if you haven't had training in those things as a child that you'll like never be able to like have command of your body like certainly not like but I do think that they are excellent tools through which to explore your body and learn about it and gain command of it and like build comfort in it and ultimately just build confidence um because the way you carry yourself it's just important and like um it's kind of pre-verbal the way that people are going to receive you and the way that you're going to be able to like portray yourself so um um but yeah something that's interesting with Zendaya's like incredible embodiment is that I feel like we don't typically associate lankiness with extreme control over one's body and so um Zendaya is kind of a totem to the idea that like it doesn't really matter what actual shapes you have if you just build that relationship with your body and with how your body moves through space like, like I'm trying to think of other like lanky lanky gals that we've chatted about like I mean well, we talked about like Dasha dancing right and how that's um I mean that feels kind of put on but she's really engineering herself to feel awkward and there's like kind of like a sexual like I have no like control over understanding of my body so just like, fuck me now kind of vibe um which is that's a vibe um and who else I mean Emrata is not like lanky necessarily like she obviously has like boobs and an ass but I think she is 
she has that kind of awkward fullness to the way she moves that makes her kind of feel lanky and but that she's also kind of just giving like no rhythm vibes like she feels like the type of chick who's like like at a concert like really excited for the soul clap but she's like offbeat you know and she's like it's lit everyone's like emily you know but um but that's part of her charm in its own way too you know or honestly like when I was just talking about Taylor Swift like she now that she has matured doesn't still have that like adolescent skinniness that she used to but she's definitely not like curvy or hourglass or anything she's pretty ruler right but um Taylor doesn't really seem like relaxed in her body even now you know she's obviously put in so much work and become such a better dancer and like commander of space on stage. Um, but like Taylor, someone who is always kind of anticipating the beat. It's kind of weird because she's like, Taylor is obviously a musician. And so she must understand like syncopation, but like in terms of, uh, channeling that through her body, it's not quite working, you know, like on TikTok, there's been all this like dancer math, videos lately where they'll be like it's not ga 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 it's ga 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 and I feel like Taylor wouldn't like get that (laughs) anyways um let's talk about euphoria (laughs) this is kind of a random time to be bringing some euphoria takes it's like it's like not necessary but um euphoria did a lot (laughs) I as I mentioned I was re-watching it And I was shocked just like how dated it felt. Like I wasn't expecting that one because, you know, the first season came out in 2019. That's not that long ago. And then also because I feel like so much is downstream of euphoria. And like, so maybe it was just like returning to the source. I'm like, okay, the source is actually feeling like really not of 2023. Um, But the point is like euphoria actually was doing something so different when it came out I think it kind of slapped people awake or something um and like if we compare it to the idol Sam Levinson's like more recent project like you know I was saying like oh okay like you know maybe we'll look back and the idol will like mark a turning point in terms of like what was I even saying like interest in like raunch and sex as opposed to that there's no question that euphoria was bringing an entirely different thing to the table and and asserting a really intense point of view and like not only was the subject matter feeling like fresh and new and not only was it this like brand new young unbelievably gorgeous cast who was just like acting their little hearts out but just the entire world of it was something totally new and exciting um and also euphoria was legitimately sexy and dark speaking for myself like you really feel the stakes and it makes you feel genuinely anxious um want to talk about euphoria as like an item of millennial culture which is something that i think is kind of universally taken now um you know, it's often talked about as something for aging millennials to recapture a feeling of youth. And I think that's um, most often seen as like pretty depressing. But I'm like, it's only depressing if your life is depressing, you know, like for, for me, like when the first season of Euphoria came out, I was like, what, like 25, 26 or something. And it genuinely reminded me of this spirit of invincibility that I associated with youth um and at the time I had just moved into a new apartment in New York with my best friend from high school and so that was really exciting because we were like watching it together and just I don't know it was just like the nostalgia for the the hubris of that time of life um yeah and also the fact that like Drake executive produced it like the soundtrack to it it's like this great mix of like what I was talking about on the last episode like all everything that we danced to in like middle and high school it's all like Lil Wayne early Drake like Birdman like all that kind of shit and then it's also like um very like mid-2010s like Toroimwa and like Blood Orange and it was just like also like especially the first season of Euphoria it kind of feels like the last bastion of millennial culture feeling youthful or cool like before the pandemic like millennials at least like the younger half of us like we're still young and like millennials definitely still had the option to just like opt into youth as the mode and of the self as the self-portrayal whereas like after the pandemic it was like I guess the pandemic could have been anywhere from one to three years depending on like how you chose to 
deal with that. Um, but a lot of people just emerged like so old feeling like just felt so angry, felt so lonely, felt like so unhealthy, like just did not feel, it's just like a sedentariness of the brain or something, you know, where it's just like, oh, I like have lost touch with or even respect for like agility and risk and youthfulness and like sexiness and beauty. And I have just like fully gone into the path of just like angry old woman, you know, or, or like a become like kind of a, a a comic version of yourself in order to cope with how boring your life is just like smoking weed and ordering pizza and like playing with a cat or something, you know? So like it, I'm sorry, this is sounding really mean, but it's like mostly because I was just so fearful of like that vibe gobbling up my spirit. And so um, I, I'm i just like, please don't, please don't let it take me, you know. Um, so yeah, but I do feel for anyone who feels like they got stuck in that because I know that there were a lot of like forces bearing down that like incentivized people to feel that way about themselves. But Fight the power. <laughs> Stick it to the man. <laughs> Anyways, what was it? This is, I was trying to bring this back to something. Oh, yes. Okay, but when Euphoria came out before the pandemic, like most young people, unless they were just like really wanting to be a total loser, were not acting like that. And so like this was like before the pandemic, like the word nap dress had not yet been uttered. Like if you just go back to that time, right? So um, another thing that I love about Euphoria is that it is um, a very sincere celebration of youth and beauty you know, obviously Sam Levinson has gotten a lot of criticism for just like being a perv, um, either in vision or in practice. And, you know, like now for the upcoming season three, like a lot of the actors um, have are not coming back because they like don't fuck with his vibe. But from my point of view, I like things that sincerely engage with a drive for youth and beauty because I think that it's like such a universal value that we feel so much shame around so anything that's like just tackling that head-on both the the value and the shame for the value is really cool and I think like with euphoria what that captures in read in the most generous light is like the nostalgia for the time where you didn't have shame around like desiring these things and you know when you haven't yet graduated into the adult brain where you're like more self-aware to second guess what you want and what you like. Um, and I feel like I'm always talking about like I heart impulse, which probably makes me sound like a barbarian, but um, I do. <laughs> but I do heart impulse and I like seeing depictions of human nature. It makes me feel close to God <laughs> or something. Um, anyways, this is my thoughts on Euphoria. Second season, obviously much worse, but I don't really care because I am like glad that the first season happened and, you know, it's, um, I'm excited to finish rewatching it, honestly. I was like, damn, I'm honestly having a good ass time. Um, but what was I going to say? Oh, yeah, okay, okay. But to bring this back to Zendaya, so she obviously plays the protagonist of that show, the lead character, Rue, who is a recovering drug addict and she's like what 17 18 years old um I don't know if I have anything much to say about Rue I guess it just is a really powerful physical performance and for that being the first like I can't even remember if that was the first time I saw her act but that was the the time that I saw her like really go for it and um it was just so amazing like she's able to manufacture this feeling of awkwardness and almost like she hasn't grown into her body and her limbs are everywhere and of course she's in like oversized clothes and her hair is a mess and she just like looks like exhausted and like really run over um but even if you just watch the the trailer for season two where she's singing and dancing in her room um she's I guess I'm just like talking around and around in circles, but just the way that she can launch herself through space and like extend her limbs and just like throw herself around. Um, it's, it's pretty cool. I don't know if you guys are familiar with Limone, the modern dance style, but um, a lot of the choreography that's given to Rue is, feels very, feels very Limone inspired to me. Um, let's see. 
Oh, there's this is super random, but there's a couple of um, like behind the scenes or like outtakes footage from Euphoria that I like really, really adore. One is this deleted scene with her and Angus Cloud. She posted it in like August 2019 or September 2019, something were in there. They're like walking through a field and she's dancing and I feel like she's carrying like a four loco or something. And um, here, let me just like play it for you right now. It's like so cute. Hey, <laughs> hey. That's new dance right there. Y'all know nothing about that. Uh, I'm dancing. Uh, 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 right there. Ooh. Hit that, ooh, hit that. Ooh, okay, ooh. I see it, y'all see <laughs> So that's one. And then <laughs> there's this other video of her and Storm Reed, who plays her little sister on the show. And they're dancing to... Um, uh, that song Ape Shit off the Beyonce and Jay-Z like, joint album. And... Um, it's honestly just so heartwarming. I don't know why this like just. Yeah, she's just so likable. Like, I think, I mean, I can imagine peers not liking her, but she just seems like someone that, like, any adult would be like, yeah, yeah, pick her. Like, she's she seems like the best, you know? <laughs> um, okay. Okay, the last section that I want to talk about is a couple of conversations that Zendaya has... I don't know, found herself in or kind of, I don't know, lends herself to. Um, So the first is the attempted queering of Zendaya and Tom Holland. And the second is um, this impulse to seeing her as like a safe pick or something. Okay, so the first one. About a year ago, this chick on TikTok, I don't even know how you pronounce her name. It's like Kiera Bro or Brow or something like that. B-R-E-A-U-G-H. Anyways, she posted this video where she was like, oh, like Zendaya and Tom Holland are like, um, we can actually read them as like a queer couple because they're performing non-heteronormative couple behaviors. Like, look here, she's wearing really baggy clothes. Look here, she has her arm around his waist. Um, Look, she's taller than him, whatever. Um, And uh, this chick was like really shit on on TikTok, so... (laughs) I don't need to just like pile on the obvious even more. Um, But I do think that this happens a lot. Um, So yeah, I guess I think the the majority of the reactions to Kira's video were like, oh, like this is really like problematic because she's like minimizing queerness to a series of like actions and behaviors as opposed to an identity. And so then that like opens the door for kind of appropriation for like anybody to just perform certain behaviors and then like gain access to queerness. But I think that this speaks to a few other things as well. Number one is just like the need to academize everything. And I get it because like I also went through a period of being like, I'm like freshly minted with my like, you know, critical theory degree. And now I want to go like have conversations about what Baudrillard would think about Instagram stories or something. And it's like, okay, just kill me now. But um, so I get it. And it's not productive. It's not interesting, even as critical thinking is important to become more intelligent Done in this way, it's just alienating you from the like real experience of being alive and relating to people and processing the world. And so it's just to any like younger listeners, I would just advise you to like get back into the senses (laughs) as opposed to importing a system of belief onto an experience that you have. Um, Anyways, that's number one. But the second thing is that I feel like this this impulse to queer Zendaya and Tom Holland just 
it speaks to this need to like find a way to reject straightness at all costs, even when it doesn't make sense, even when you yourself are straight. Like there's just like a proximity to straightness, you know, akin to like a proximity to whiteness where you're very incentivized to find ways to like make yourself not that, right? Um, and so, yeah, this, this impulse to reclaim something heteronormative under queerness usually means you have to read something as it's doing what it's doing but subversively or ironically or it's like blowing it out to these like maximalist proportions that make it feel like something entirely else um and we see this happening on both sides. Like in this instance that I just talked about, it's like Zendaya is wearing baggy clothes. She's taller than her boyfriend. Let, let's reimagine this as like butch, right? But then we also see it all the time, like highly feminine women being like, maybe this is actually high camp, you know? Um, and it reminds me of this. I went to this talk a couple of years ago um, by this woman, Melissa Anderson. If you, if you all know her, she's like a writer, film critic. She's an editor at Four Columns Mag. And she wrote this book um, about Laura Dern. Um, and it's called Inland Empire. And I, I, but I think it talks more than just about that movie. But anyways, it's about Laura Dern. And um, at the talk, someone asked like, oh, why do you think Laura Dern is a gay icon? And <laughs> Melissa was like, um, I don't know, maybe because she's tall and she's a fabulous actress. Next question. And um, she just dealt with it so well. Um, but like, it is interesting why like certain straight women do come to feel like gay icons, even when they're not like overtly like dabbling in aesthetics that would seem related to that. Like it's, it's like, okay, like we know why, like what, why Madonna feels like a queer icon, but like it's more interesting why like Julianne Moore feels like a gay icon, right? Um, so I like, I do think that that is an interesting space, um, but it also is just kind of like, okay, guys, just come on, you know? Um, so a few recent examples where this has also happened outside of the Zendaya, Tom Holland. Um, one, this just happened to me last week, so why I'm thinking about it. I went to this this talk about Lana Del Rey by um, these three writers who had all written essays about her. And um, this kept coming up again and again, this impulse to try to be like, oh, like, at, you know, at first I thought her, the way she did her eyeliner was really self-indulgent. And then I realized, like, it actually is kind of an item of high camp. And I'm just like, what? And then this other chick was like, oh yeah, you know, like on one hand you can read Lana as shitty straight people music, but then I realized it could also be read as a queer retaliation. And I'm like, no, this is just doesn't even make sense. Like, what is this about? Um, some other examples, like let's think about the Barbie movie, right? Like Barbie, something that has historically been straight and genuinely threatening to other straight women is now like being reimagined as like for the dolls. And we're remining that history as this like subversive agenda. And I'm just like, is that happening? And it's, it's, it's one thing to be like, okay, now we want to broaden this space to like make it inclusive and available for anyone who might want to be interested in it. But also it's like, why does Barbie even have to be for everybody? You know, it's like, why, why do we even like care that it is? Um, I mean, I think if we think of just like the persona and the aesthetics of Julia Fox, this is obviously someone who like by her own hand is making herself more and more queer coded to gain acceptance or points or just you know, alienate herself from the concept and look and feel of straight white girl. Um, and I'm, I'm okay. I guess now she's like, I have a gay bone and like maybe she does and that's fine. But like that is another prime example. If we look at Addison Ray, someone who initially is like the most basic straight white bitch you can probably ever get. And it was like full rejection of her. And now she's like safe and accepted now that she has been bought and sold back to us by gay men. Now that at her album release, it's like all of these like drag queens that she is next to and like associated with, you know, it's just like, it's very interesting like and it's kind of difficult to have this conversation because you sound like or I don't even know what I sound like just like a jerk or like paranoid that like the definition of femininity that I feel related to like is getting gobbled up by other things or something like that. I don't actually feel like a genuine personal fear around it. I think it just makes me want to just like put everybody in a lineup and just slap them in a domino effect and just be like no Zendaya is not queer because she's taller than her boyfriend. No, this is stupid that we have to like reimagine straight women as in some way having proximity to queerness in order to like make them not the bad guy. It's just like, 
No, Addison's a straight girl. Lana's a straight girl. Barbie is Barbie. Like what? Just stop, you know? Um, like the, my my thirteenth reason is when one of you try to uh, <laughs> try to queer ballerina farm. It's like I'm like literally can see it now. It's like oh you know like eight kids. Like she's actually expanding the concept of the womb. Like she's actually a queer icon. It's like just no. I, I don't think anyone would ever go that far. I mean actually, but people might. Um. Anyways, so to bring this back to the Tom Holland and Zendaya, like I'm wondering if I have anything else to say about their relationship. I mean, I think it is a huge part of, like, the persona that we now, like, see of her. And, like, I feel like we see more of her as an individual now that she is a, like, member in this relationship as opposed to, like, when she wasn't. Like, as I mentioned before, like, a lot of the idea of her as goofy, as, like, sweet, as, like, low maintenance is coming through in the windows into their relationship that we get. Like, all the interviews with them and, like, I don't know. There's so many, like, compilation videos of them and just be, like... I don't know. I think people people really like Stan. They're like, it's so sweet. It feels like so wholesome or something. Um, and th- there's this idea that they just like treat each other so, so well. Um, the other convo regarding her that I want to bring up is the like her as a safe actress or a safe pick, right? Um, I think what contributes to this is like, you know, she's not giving the vibe of like a firecracker or something like that. And as I said, it doesn't seem like she really wants to like provoke or make waves or just like piss anyone off. And I think that for some reason that is an irritant where, you know, although we highly regard her for being very poised and graceful and like, you know, there is genuine respect for her, there seems to be this feeling of like, almost an eye roll at most because no one would really dare actually like cross her but this feeling of just like she's only getting what she's getting because she's safe because she is very careful in her self-presentation um I think the like liminal space of race that I talked about at the beginning is a part of this where she is kind of asked to be a representative of blackness for white institutions right like with her like emmy win you can just kind of like imagine all the like old like stodgy white people being like of the emmy committee or whatever being like oh but like let's let's, this is the perfect like light-skinned accomplished ex-disney kid like young black girl protagonist character like playing a drug addict like let's give her the emmy and then next year comes around and they're like let's give it to her again you know so it's kind of like you, you can kind of feel that feeling. <laughs> but as I mentioned, like, I think it's kind of unfair. And I don't think this is like a contested point, but I think it's kind of unfair to even write her off as like a safe bet because number one, she is so genuinely talented. And number two, like, this is actually just a really precarious and loaded spot. Like, I was like, thinking about like who else has had this spot in recent memory. And it's like Obama, like... Beyonce, Oprah to a certain extent where it's like leaning on you or even like Simone Biles. I felt that way a lot with this like most recent Summer Olympics where she or was it even the most recent? Whatever, whatever one where she like didn't compete or did she get injured or like for some reason she was taken out and it was like it was such a loaded thing because so many people were like relying on her as this symbol. I feel like Zendaya occupies a similar role. Um, yeah. And I guess with, with both of these conversations that surround her, there are like good opportunities to look at how she elects to use narrative control. It's interesting because she doesn't really retaliate or like do a lot of overt things to reclaim her narrative or set the record straight or whatever. Um, But she also does seem to maintain control. And I think that's just because she like stays out of it altogether. So this thing I keep saying of her of just feeling like um, she's she's at a different tier of celebrity where it's like, you know, water rolling off a pan that still has oil on it or something where it's like she does feel untouchable because she's practicing non-reaction or something um and I guess like she does react sometimes like I mentioned that whole like law roach situation where she was like um no that's not what happened like this is what happened you know and she does that kind of PR smoothing over um but I think she doesn't feel as calculated as some other people that 
we really where we really feel their effort to maintain control like just uh, you know the emily weiss episode last weekend like that's someone who we really feel them like straining and with zendaya it doesn't feel like it's as it's requiring so much effort um so yeah back to the like the gracefulness and the poise of her that just like keeps her floating above it um and and also what i guess relates her to sydney in my mind because it's just like the not about the drama vibe um, to go back to those three like additional star girl dimensions that I talked about earlier, um, the incoherence, timelessness, and being a leader. I think the incoherence with Zendaya comes through in her sexuality and femininity and like what I was just talking about with the Tom Holland stuff. Like I do think that there's something that we can't quite square about yeah, the ways in which she, like, plays with femininity. And, um, you know, because she, like, glams up so perfectly and she's, like, such a perfect gala girl and we would, like, expect that, like, high glam from her all the time. And so to see, like, how just low maintenance she is and how, what's the word, just how, like, relaxed she is feels, like, different for us. Um, And then also I think her range um in talents yeah I think like because we don't really get to like fully see her she feels obscured in some ways um for the timelessness I guess I was just talking about that but like feels like a celebrity from a different time um she definitely feels like an essential character in the sense that she's like at the top um Yeah. And then as a leader, like I was just saying that like she's in a really high stakes position. It feels like there's just a lot of like demands placed on her and what she's supposed to like do for people, serve for people, like represent for people. Like she just feels like a main character. I guess there's no really other way to say it. Like she doesn't feel like this ancillary person, like her next to anyone else, like everyone else looks random. You know what I mean? Um, So... I don't know if that is a qualification to be a leader. Everyone else looks random compared to you. <laughs> um, but it's like the balance would be off if she was anywhere but in the center at the front. Yeah. Yeah, that's what it is. <laughs> um, yeah. And that's a, like that's not something that's like just the case for someone that has like her body, right? Like I've also said that about Addison too, who like has like nearly the opposite body where it's like in a lineup of girls, if Addison is anywhere other than in the center at the front, it just looks like what? Like you don't even see A, how hot she is. And it's just like the balance is off because your eyes would go to her anyways because of like her smile. But it's like, why are you on the side? You know what I mean? Well, actually this is funny because there was just like a new – there was some new like profile about Glossier and um like about like this like next next generation of the business or something and you know like uh Emily Weiss is no longer the CEO and she's in the group photo but she's off to the side and it like it looks random you know um yeah wow I'm obsessed with that now and I'm just like I need to like go like look at a hundred million like group pics and be like who's at the center in the front and who should be anyways okay um well that's all i had um huge salute to zendaya for being the real deal and thank you for listening and talk to you later bye Everybody in the game last year, man, fuck it, I was on, though And I thought I found a girl of my dreams at the strip club Mm-mm, fuck it, I was wrong, though Shout out to all my niggas living tax-free Nowadays, six figures when they tax me Oh, well, guess you lose some and win some Long as the outcome is income